If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. This is another of our popular Listener's Choice interviews, which we're playing over the weekend. We've chosen the most popular interviews for you to select the Listener's Choice winner. If you're not sure how the Listener's Choice competition works, have a look at horsechats.com slash choice for the rules and the leaderboard. If you have the same vision as International Horse College, which is to have a world where people safely appreciate, respect and enjoy their horses, and the horses appreciate, respect and enjoy their people, then have a look at their website, internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Our guest today on Horse Chats is going to be Jim Masterson. Jim is a bit of a legend. He's a massage body therapist. He's done quite a lot of work. He's worked with the United States Equestrian Federation endurance teams. He's worked with thousands of horses competing at top-level hunter-jumper horse shows in the United States and in the FEI World Cup, Pan American and World Equestrian Games competition. So he's not just working on backyard horses. He's working on top-level horses that really do need the extra bit to go out there and do well and win. How are you today, Jim? I'm fine, thank you. I, I can add that I've worked on some very nice backyard horses, though. <laughs> well, I just think because what happens is you start off and you might be working on your own horses, you know, when you first get a method, become qualified yeah. and start to do a business. But I think then if you're good, people can see the work and they will keep going, keep going. And you do end yeah. up working with some very, very good horses. Yep. Yeah, it is. It's about results when you're doing body work. So if, yes. if you can get results, then they're going to call you back. Exactly. And the word of mouth too. You know, horse industry is full of word of mouth. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm sure yeah. You, you build up a great reputation. So, you know, I've heard about you before I've spoken to you. So that's pretty good. <laughs> oh, okay. I hope you've heard some good things. Oh, perfect. Yep. Jim, tell us about <laughs> your favorite quote. You know, that's something that I like to start off with because I think your favorite quote often talks about you before we even start. Yeah, well, there is one because, you know, the type of body work that we do, it's about reading the horse's subtle changes in the horse's behavior or body language as you're you're working on them. And you kind of, you follow that. You follow what the horse is telling you with his body language or or what I call responses. And um, there are two old horsemen, they're not alive anymore here in the States. They were in California called the Dorrance Brothers, uh, Bill and Tom Dorrance. And I was reading uh, a book that was written uh, about them. And one of them said something that really kind of struck me. He said, the horse, the ride begins when the horse sees you get out of the, out of the truck or the car. Mm-hmm. So that's how tuned in they are to our energy and our body work. They see you get out of the car. They know what, what it's going to be like. So that, I mean, it's a very simple quote, but, and it doesn't on the surface have anything to do with body work, but it has a lot to do with how tuned in the horse is to us. Yes, yes, and, and sees you approaching. I'm just putting, because some people aren't going to get out of the truck and turn up at their horse or at the horse farm, you know. It just depends on the situation, but I certainly understand the whole thing behind it. Well, yeah, I mean, when they see you, yep. yeah, they, see, they, see, they you see you walking go. towards them. Yep. You know, that's yep. all they need, really. Yep. Jim, tell us about how you started with horses. Tell us about an early memory or something that you've learned 
about horses, something that, um, you know, every time you interact with a horse, I think you probably learn, but has it been something that's been a bit of a breakthrough for you? Yeah. Yeah, everybody knows, you know, it's an unending learning experience with horses, but when I was younger, you know, horses were just fun, you know, they were yep. something you got on and rode for me. And, and, um, but later, later on in life, I'd gone through some, some different careers. And then, uh, about, I, I think it's 20 years ago, I was between jobs and there was a, a local show barn, um, near us here in Iowa. And the trainer was, um, just starting up with a couple of family, families that wanted to show around, at, you know, at the hunter jumper shows around the country and she needed a groom and somebody to haul the horses and groom at the shows. And she had a home, you know, a, a groom at home, but she needed somebody that could travel with her. And, and so, uh, my wife said, why don't you go, uh, go to work for Val and, and, you know, try this, this it, it could be fun. So I, I experienced with show horses or competition horses, but I would, I, um, took the job and, um, and that's how I got into this because I saw horses, you know, very high level horses, um, getting their different therapies, different treatments, chiropractic or osteopathic or acupressure, massage, equine massage, sports massage therapy. And I noticed that, um, when, when, uh, well, there are a couple key things that, that, that got my attention about it. Cause I had no background in, in massage therapy or any kind of therapy or, at all, or any interest in learning, but I, I was watching the horse while they were working on them. And, one um, instance, there was a, a horse chiropractor, an old guy from New Zealand who who lived in the States, and the vets, he'd, he'd been working on horses for 40 years, and he learned from another old guy who'd been doing it for 40 years, and the vets on the East Coast, on the show circuit, some very high-level vets would bring a guy in from California to, to uh, treat their horses, and so he was really good. He he got amazing results. Um, he used very long lever forceful techniques, which which I, I don't use, and they probably take a long time to learn. But the thing is, he got amazing results, and he really would read the horse. Like after he did an adjustment, he would step back to what do what he said called uh, see what the horse has to say, and he'd give the horse a, a minute to see what it had to say. And if he got a good adjustment, the horse would might lower its head to the ground and stand there with a dazed look on his face and shake its head and start yawning repeatedly. And so that really got my interest. That the horse talking to to him. So that I started paying attention to him. And then there was another instance where at a show in Estes Park, Colorado, where uh, our trainer hired a couple of massage therapists to work, come in and work on our horses. And they started the treatment with what they called just running their hand lightly down the bladder meridian, which is the traditional Chinese medicine energy line that kind of follows the top line of the horse on the side. And they did that to relax the horse. But as they were doing that, Notice that every once in a while the horse would blink and its eye would twitch or its lip would twitch and it was blinking because of what they were doing. It wasn't just blinking. And so I was intrigued by that. So I experimented with it and I ran my hand down this line and I learned later you can do this anywhere on the horse. It doesn't have any that anything to do with that line. But as you run your hand lightly, no pressure at all down this line and you get a blink, the horse is telling you something's there. And I experimented with it. I wasn't sure it was me or the horse. I ran my hand over that spot again, and I got a blink at the exact same spot, almost to the hair. And so that meant something then. There, the horse was actually telling telling me something. And the next thing I did is I just waited there because I wasn't trained to do anything, any massage or anything. So I just waited. And if I waited there with no pressure on the horse and did nothing, that pretty soon the horse would start to drop its head 
it lick and chew, and in some cases it would start to yawn repeatedly. So there was a connection there between uh, what I was doing and what the horse was doing. The horse was doing, telling me he'd released a huge amount of tension. And so that's what got me interested in this. And I started just experimenting with it and learning uh, as much as I could as I went along. And eventually I started treating our horses in, on our, in our training barn and started uh, working on other horses on the show circuit. And, and uh, just, you know, it turned into this. I started working for nine years. I just worked on, on show horses and uh, started teaching because people wanted to learn it because it's very interactive with the horse. It's not just learning, you know, what a muscle is and how to manipulate it. It's about interacting with the horse. So that that's how I got... Um, started on this. Mm, mm, yes, and I think the interacting bit's interesting, you know, that you're not saying, right, well, there's a spot I'm going to mass it, but you just waited and just you had some pressure on it? Or? No, yeah, well, no, I learned yeah. that less is more, you know, yep. the less pres- yep. pressure you put on an area. Now, you can massage if you find an area that has tension, you can massage it, um, but or you can just back off and put no pressure on it and wait for the horse's nervous system to start to release it. And I And I've learned later that what what's happening is when you put pressure on the horse your the sympathetic nervous system kicks in that's part of the nervous system that protects itself Uh, the fight or flight or freeze part and if you don't if you take off the pressure um the parasympathetic starts to kick in if you have the patience to wait for it to do it Mm -hmm. and the horse will start to release the tension and it's because you're bringing the horse's awareness to something he's been blocking out in a way that he can't brace against it so if there's no pressure the horse can't brace Yep. And so they have no choice but to to start their parasympathetic nervous system starts to release it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tell me then, you, you know, you started at the one barn, and when did you actually think, oh, maybe there's a profession in this? At what stage was that? You know, when did you think this well, is going to be my career? Yeah. yeah. Well, right away I wanted to do it. So okay. and when I saw this this guy working using doing chiropractic, I wanted to do that, and mm. and I learned that I couldn't do that because it takes a lot of training, and also um, the laws in in America are such that most states, or practic probably all states, um, chiropractic uh, is you have to be trained and licensed to do that. So, um, but I, le- I I realized early on this is what I wanted to do. And so I started doing it, and I started learning more and more and working on more and more horses. And um, But the thing was I, I, I stuck with it. So it's, hard, it's not easy to start a business, you know, doing working on horses and doing treat, treating horses. And if you have to do it one horse at a time, and like you said, it's by word of mouth. Mm-hmm. And if you get results, they'll call you back. So it wasn't easy to build it up, you know, build the business up. But if you stick with it and you love what you're doing, then, it's, then you're, you're going to be successful at it. And so the answer to that is very early on, I, I realized I wanted to do this. There were times when I thought, I, it's never going to happen, you know, it's just too hard. But um, my wife calls it the last man standing rule. If you're the last man standing, you're going to get the job. So <laughs> I just stuck with it. Yeah, yeah. Now, what about if someone is interested in doing this sort of work? If he came to you and said, I want you to train me how to do this work, what sort of core skills or character traits would they need for you to say, I think it's worth you starting this and I'll teach you? Yeah. Well, that's a good question because that's what I'm, I'm in the teaching business. Now. You know, I eventually started doing weekend uh, clinics and and then um, other therapists wanted to learn more. So I, and they were interested in more, you know, in more advanced course. So I did that and it's turned into, I'm in the teaching business. I actually don't have clients that 
that I work on regularly. And, um, but so anybody can come and learn how to do this. Anybody can start doing this. But what about the people who excel in it, who you go, yeah, you're really going to be better than everyone else? What sort of core yeah, skills and character people, traits would those, those need? Yeah. Well, they, yeah, that, that, there are people that just have a, have a knack for it in their naturals. And it's interesting because the younger people that come are the ones that have learned the, haven't, haven't gotten stuck in any habits with horses. So they're kind of an open book. And so they're, they're really open to learning and they don't, they haven't developed any bad habits. So you, you have to learn how to, um, soften with the horse. Uh, people that have, have horse experience, that's a, that's a big plus. There are people that come that don't have a lot of horse experience that are, that have a kind of a natural um, fit for this, but they eventually gain the horse experience. But to mainly to not have a, not to be narrow-minded about it, you know, and be open to just being wrong with with something. Because when you work on a horse with this method, it's always an experiment. You're asking the horse, and you're paying attention to what the horse is saying to you, and you follow that. And if you can't um, be open to that and be a little bit counter, it's a little counterintuitive then you're going to have a harder time picking it up. You, you know, if, you, if you, you're not open to just letting go of what you've already learned and, and some of the habits you have that you may, de- may not even know that you have. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the best thing about doing that, having hands-on working experience with horses? Oh, well, it's just very fulfilling to, to um, experience or see a, or be a part of a horse doing the same, completely letting go, you know, letting their guard down because they're programmed for survival. You know, everybody, mm. they're still very much fight or flight animals and probably a little more on the flight side. And so they, they um, in the wild, you know, and in captivity, they're programmed to block out uh, pain and discomfort because that's how they survive. If they, in the wild, they, if they start to, to uh, show signs of lameness at the first sign of dis- discomfort, they're a target, you know, so they, they, that's why it's so hard to evaluate lameness in horses because they cover it up as much as they can. And so um, if you can get underneath that, that bracing and guarding response, it's amazing what the horse will let go of physically, but also the uh, relationship with the horse, you know, the communication and relationship with the horse is a large part of why people like to learn this method. I mean, there are a lot of people that aren't involved with, uh, aren't, aren't necessarily interested in competition or performance that come to learn this simply because they know their horse is covering or hiding something and they want to, uh, they want to, to help it, help it let it go. Mm-hmm. Now you've talked about the Dorrance brothers. You talked about, what was the guy's name, the New Zealand guy that was um, the chiropractor? Well, I don't, don't he, I don't know. He might be known in New Zealand. He's pretty, he's been pretty well known in, in America and his um, name was Graham Boyd and he he didn't train people and and when i i would follow him and when i when he was where at the same place i was it was always on the road somewhere and when our trainer would hire him or if the the vets would ask him to come in and i'd offer mm-hmm. to just help yep. uh, i picked up a lot of stuff just watching him but he 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 was actually a lot of people knew him especially on the west coast and he told me it he said uh it's kind of interesting he said um, I don't want you to say you were trained by Graham Boyd because everybody says they're trained by Graham Boyd and they're not because he didn't train people. Mm-hmm. And I always honored that. I said, I'll never tell anybody I was trained by Graham Boyd, but I would, you know, I did learn a lot just watching him. Yep. So he's influenced you a lot then. Yep. Yep. Oh yeah. A lot. Yeah. A- anyone else that you think's influenced you a lot? Well, um, 
not not like necessarily specific people. There, mm-hmm. There's a huge, or in the last 20 years or so or more, there's been a huge rise in interest in natural horsemanship, you know, yeah. and, and kind of training methods that aren't, um, you know, fear-based or force-based. And so I think that's been huge. There are a lot of trainers in the States here that are, and in Australia and England that are, that are, um, in the same, you know, they're doing the sim- similar things with horses. They're not, they're, they're working with the horse rather than against the horse or on the horse. So, um, all of them, you know, even some of them in, in that, that are, maybe too big and too commercial. Some people don't like that aspect about them, but, but they have um, helped change the whole, transform the whole view of horse training, mm-hmm. um, at least in America, I know for sure. Mm-hmm. And it, it appears to be in Australia too. For sure. Um, Mark Rashid, I work with him, you know, and he's the, the epitome of softness and, and working with the horse. And in um, November, I'm excited. We're going to be doing a clinic at Steve Halfpenny's place and, in uh, Adelaide, so yep. I mean, all these all these trainers are on the same. They're all on board. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot off the press notification. That is that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available, and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 Careers in the Horse Industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. Now, tell us, and I want you to put on your thinking cap about a maybe a case study or something, a horse that you think you've um, made a big improvement on. What, what do you think is your biggest case study or your best case study? Oh, I don't know if there's a biggest or a best, you know, yeah. because, you know, I've worked on so many horses and some horses that it helps a lot and some horses it doesn't help because they they need something else you know tell us about one that's helped you've helped a lot well one yeah, yeah i probably the ones early on that helped me yeah. were the ones that that it made a big difference in and it made me realize that it was that it was working mm-hmm. you know i remember just a simple a simple uh case early on with a a girl that was showing in in wellington and i was uh, every two weeks i would work on their horses they had about five horses and one day she went out for a hack and came with her friend and came back with a big smile and said, wow, I'd never, I've never seen my horse's front feet when he was trotting out before. And now she could oh, see wow. his front feet. And it was yeah. a big deal for her, you know, because yeah. the range of motion yeah. had, had changed. And it was just simple, you know, treatment. So yeah. that yeah. was early yeah. on. I mean, that's not a huge, spectacular case. Oh, it's, it's, it's enough, you know, it's enough. But just those subtle differences. And it's the ongoing subtle differences, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Well, there are others, you know, we, I get emails all the time of people that just do this simple bladder meridian technique that I described, mm-hmm. and it's so simple, and it, it's almost hard to do it. It's so simple. Ella takes his patience and, and, um, and softness, and it makes huge changes in horses that have serious issues um, that have been in, 
in uh, trailering accidents or slipped and fall, fallen, and, and they, uh, they get up and they trot off sound, but they're, they've jammed something in their nervous system. It's like when we get in a car accident and we're okay, we go to the hospital and the doctor says, you're okay, you're good to go, but something's jammed up in your nervous system and your core muscles. And that's, that really light, simple technique will get a horse to just let go of that. And I'll get emails all the time from people that are saying it just, it's like they have a new horse. And, and I tell them, well, how much is that horse worth? Because you can send me a check, but that doesn't usually work. <laughs> but but th- that happens all the time. And, yeah. and also just one more thing. I recently at a clinic in California, I worked on a horse. And as I was working on it, I was at, I asked the owner, has this horse been in a fall or an accident? Because mm. it's really jacked up inside. And on the outside, the horse was sound. But her complaint was, and this had been getting worse for years, with the horse, that the horse just wasn't settled. It was nervous, it was afraid, and this horse, that's not who this horse was. But for the last few years, that's what was happening. And as I worked on the horse, I realized something had really happened to this horse. And I asked her, and she said, no, I don't think, I can't remember anything. And as I worked on the horse, I did this one um, one technique to it, and its nose dropped, and it started to stagger. And, I, and as I continued, this, it was a gentle thing. The horse, kept, his legs kept buckling, or her legs kept buckling. And she was, she would have fallen if I'd have kept going. And um, that, because something deep inside let go. And, I, and some, one of the students was videotaping it on her phone, and I have it on my website. But um, later, that, the week later, she emailed me, and she says, I remember now what happened to the horse. That horse had fallen into a ditch, and they had to pull it out, you know, with a, with mm-hmm. a truck. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they were very gentle about it as much as they could be. But um, she remembered that something had happened. So that's another inst- instance of, of um, for me, not that that works, but it, how horses can cover up stuff like that just to survive. They just keep, they have no choice but to keep going. Mm. So if you can mm. get underneath that, that you can, how much you can help them. It's like, like peeling back layers of onion. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah and that horse yeah. had a lot of layers. Yeah, yeah. It was a big onion. <laughs> what do you think's been your proudest moment? Oh, um, probably things like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nothing big, like nothing huge, just uh-huh. like that. You, you sound like a very humble person, you know, but I can see underneath the humbleness that I'm that the humblest person I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah. that helps, you know, when you're doing, when you're working with horses, it's hel- it helps if you're willing to not be the boss, you know, you want to be the leader and you want to be the confident one, but not, you have to be open to not, not knowing everything. Not you know? be the bully. Even yeah. with the horse. Yeah. Yeah. And how long ago was this that you started? Um, about, well, I, about two, uh, the year 2000. Okay. So about okay. So that's nearly two decades. And there's been a lot of changes in the industry, a lot more openness now than what there was. And, yeah. and um, you know, just right. the, the advances in science and the openness of the industry. But earlier on, did you get challenges from people saying, oh, you're just doing nothing, you know? Like what sort of challenges did you get to have the industry accept you so openly now? Yeah, well, you know, I was surprised because, um, well, there were, it was in general, you know, there were a lot of, because I was working with, with um, show jumpers, there were a lot of trainers that this wasn't, you know, if they couldn't fix it and the vet couldn't fix it, then it wasn't fixable. So. There was a lot of resistance from some trainers, but there were some that were open because they could see the difference in the horse. So, so that was kind of that was a good thing. But I was surprised when I started teaching this how many people came that were open to it because I was thinking, you know, from my growing up with horse people, 
they, a lot of them, you know, they were kind of set in their ways and tradition was tradition. And, and I thought they would challenge me on this, but I was surprised the people that came to the courses uh, weren't like that. So that was kind of refreshing. I didn't have to, and I was ready for it. You know, I was ready yeah. to, to have to uh, answer their questions, but, but uh, it didn't turn out that way on the teaching end. And on the working on horses end, there were those people that, that were a little bit, they didn't think it would work or they thought it was, was a bunch of baloney. And they would say so, you know, not that I asked them, but they would say so anyways. But I learned after a while not to put my attention on those people, just put my attention on the people that were getting it. Yeah. And that was a big, um, big change for me. Yeah. To, I, I wasted a lot of time and energy trying to convince people, especially trainers, that it would work. And I realized yeah. a couple of things that happened that they just weren't going to accept it, no matter how much it helped their horses. And then I decided to focus on the people that were going to get it. And as you said, it's been growing. That yeah. group of people has been growing. And and um, the science behind it's been, been growing. It's been going in that direction, too. When you first start off, you know, you say you've got a new group of people that you haven't started before. And they're interested. They want to learn. But what's a common fault you see with them when they first start off? They say, look, I'm happy to learn a new technique. I want to help my horse as much as I can. And then what would be the biggest thing that then that holds them back? What are they doing wrong? Um, they're, they're used to, you know, as humans, when we, when we feel something brace or push against us, we push back or we pull back. And, and it, it takes a lot of people, that's the way they've learned to do things, especially with horses. And, it, and it's interesting because it turns out that's how they deal with with life too, mm. is when they they come up against something, they push back against, and though they do the same thing with the horse. So to be open to that, it's a little counterintuitive, and it takes a little bit of training, but not much. You know, once it clicks, people start to get it, and and eventually they'll it'll just become natural that when you when the horse pulls on you, you don't pull back, you yield, and if you yield, the instant they start to pull, they're going to stop pulling. They're just, and if they keep pulling, it's because you're still pulling even if you don't, if you think you're not. Yeah. So, um, but it's interesting because now, I mean, in teaching people to see that connection between how they work with the horses, kind of how they, what their challenges are in life, you know, the people that are very goal oriented, um, when you're work, teaching them to do, do something on the horse or practice a technique on the horse. And they're so, they're so focused on the outcome and getting to the, to the, uh, to the outcome that they're not feeling when the horse is bracing against it. Okay. And it's completely in their head, you know. There's and and I'll, I'll, you're kind of you're a goal, you're a little goal oriented, aren't you? And they'll laugh, you know, because they know they are. Mm-hmm. And once they get it, they they start to change. They start to change that. It might take them a little longer than than other people, but it changes the way that you that you deal with people and other things in life too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. 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 I can't charge two hundred dollars an hour like a psychologist for that. But, you know, it's kind of, it's. Still kind of cool to see the change, or four, whatever they get. So the goal-orientated people, once they realize that they're trying to get the outcome instead of developing the feeling, mm-hmm. that's the main thing, that's the way to fix it? You talk to them? You know, how can you get them from being so goal-orientated? Yep. Well, it, it, first, as you pointed out, you point that out, that, mm-hmm. that they're, they're getting too focused on the, the outcome yes. and not... Um, going with the horse on it uh-huh, uh-huh. and then something clicks and then they they go oh and they go to do it again and they do it without doing that yes. but then they go get back into the habit right away if the horse if they're working on a challenging horse that's really bracing 
then it, the bracing kicks back in. But if you remind them again, then they get it. And okay. pretty soon they're just okay. naturally doing it. And it's about practice, yep. you know. Yep. And that's yep. with the clinics, the weekend clinics. We teach the the Beyond Horse Massages, the book mm-hmm. and DVD we have. And those are the, the I was just going to talk about the, the book, actually. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they, they go home and practice. And then if they come back for the five-day advanced course, there's a lot of practice. And by the end of the day, there's, there's usually a big change in those people. Okay. Good, good. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. All right. So the book, Beyond Horse Massage, was that mainly for people to take away after your clinic? So um, when uh, when I started doing the weekend clinics and I chose these te- these bodywork techniques to teach in the weekend clinic, Yep. After once I got those set, I, I thought, well, I need to do a book. A D, well, first I did a DVD yep. because I thought it would help people in the clinic. And then I did a book that fills in a lot of the, the background and the anatomy and some of the biomechanics. It's not the anatomy because it's not the names of the muscles. And it's about the horse. But uh, anyways, um, books and DVD are for people to try to start to go home and, and try themselves. Okay. And okay. The way I look at it is if they go home and they try some of these things and they work, they're going to want to come back and learn some more. So then the next step is come to the weekend club. Okay. And even before you buy the book and the DVD, I put lots of YouTube video clips on on how to practice, how to do different things with your horse um, to release tension in your horse. And the whole thing is, is the more that I share it, the more people are going to try it. And if it clicks with them, if it's something that really resonates with them, then they're going to want to come to learn it. Because early on, I got a lot of feedback from people, oh, you're putting too much out on, on YouTube and you're you're giving too much away. But that's <laughs> not how it works for me. It works that the more I share it, the more people are going to try it and like it and the more people want to come to learn it. So yep. apart from just being open with it, it's pretty good. It turns out it's pretty good business too. Yes, yes, yeah. You know, yeah. to share and not not try to it's, it, that's the same thing it's like things are changing in the world it used to be that when you knew something you you played your cards close to your chest you kept it to yourself and if somebody wanted to pay for it you sold something to them but it's it's different now it's kind of a whole change in mm, mm. in uh, attitude with with people towards you know towards horses and towards everything yep yeah. the other one i was going to talk to you about because we've got the beyond horse massage but you've co-authored couple of books, Dressage Movements Revealed and the Dressage Horse Optimized. What contribution did you have to those two books? Well, um, Coralie Hughes is a dressage trainer and she came and took my course and learned how to do this and she became one of my instructors because mm-hmm. she's very good at it and she has a lot of knowledge and she yeah. had the right attitude too. She she was very open. She's ready to learn and try something different and she's very uh, aware of the horse. And so uh, she she became an instructor, and um, we just got together with the idea that what if we um, did a video and a book on, for me, the focus was on biomechanics, and um, dressage just happened to be the medium for that, because, mm-hmm. you know, in dressage, the horse, the, in uh, you know, the upper level, level dressage movements, the horse pretty much u- uses all the muscles that they use in pretty much any discipline. And so since Coralie was trained in dressage, we chose chose dressage. And another thing is I worked on so many dressage horses that were so sore and tight and over, overexerted. 
And so that bothered me. And I, for me, the goal was to, for the book and DVD was to make the writer aware, not of all the muscles and how everything works, just that there was a horse underneath them that had um, muscles and skeleton that could be overworked and that there could, the horse could be having problems or potential problems, even though it wasn't telling them because the horse will just keep trying, keep doing it until they're lame, you know, that they'll just keep going or until they, they get so sore that they misbehave and then then the rider or the trainer thinks it's a training issue. And actually there's a physiological component to it that they're not aware of. So I just wanted to create that awareness. And for Coralie, it was, she, it was, it was great because that's her, her world was dressage and then, uh, biomechanics and, and then when she, and body work. So mm-hmm. it, was a, it was a really good match. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. No, that's good. What are you looking forward to at the moment? Oh, um, well, I'm always looking to reach more people. Uh, not just to share it because that's what I, that's just what I do, you know, and it, it pays the rent and it makes me a living and I love doing it. So what more could you want? But I want to expand on the programs, you know, expand on the yeah. training. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Light to the Core is, another, is a DVD that I did a couple of years ago, just focusing on not on just really light touch and learning how to follow the horse's responses, but start to pay attention to what the horse is telling you in the rest of the body. So as an example of expanding a program, that's, Taking, you know, some of our techniques are involve movement and manipulation, and some involve just very light touch and watching for subtle responses in the horse. And, but, but it's interesting that um, you can be doing working on one part of the horse, say the lower neck, and the horse, and you step back and see what the horse has has to say and give him time to feel it, and a horse, the horse might be stomp his hind leg because okay. he's feeling something in the groin muscles. He's that's connected to the lower neck, and if you get out some books and or do some research and look at the anatomy you can see there's connections between the lower neck and and the and the hind end through the for example the um the ventral train fascial train from the hyoid up uh, the hyoid bone down to the sternum up into the groin and on the top line there's the long back muscle which attaches in the lower neck on one end and goes along each side of the back and attaches to the pelvis and the sacrum on the other end so if you use very light touch that the horse can't brace against and you you make the horse aware of where, where he's feeling tension, you'll start, start to see what's going on in other parts of the body that are connected to where you're working on. So as an example, you asked, what are, where are we going with, yeah, where am yeah, I going with this? It's yeah. just to keep, keep getting what, what I've learned and what mm-hmm. our, my, our, my community has learned and getting yep. it out there for other people to learn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. It, just in a sentence or two, can you summarize your philosophy? with treating horses, you know, being a therapist for horses? Well, I guess I could do it in one sense. It's working with the horse uh, rather than against the horse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. No, that's good. That's good. Jim, if people want to contact you and talk to you a little bit more, what's the best way? Well, our, the website age, you know, so uh, mastersonmethod.com is our website and then um, on there you can find everything. You can find our courses, our course calendar. You can find, if you go to the, I think one of the buttons is training videos and you bring it down, you can see I have, like I said, probably 20 or 30 video clips on YouTube teaching people how to do different things. Mm-hmm. And again, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to either, it's going to resonate with you or not. So you you go and try it. But um, the website is the best way. Okay. Um, on our course calendar, uh, we have a course calendar. I'm going coming to Australia in November. I come once a year and it's usually in November. And I'll be doing uh, clinics in 
uh, Yark in Victoria near Melbourne. Yep. Um, just before before Equitana, and then I'll be at Equitana, and then I'll be doing a clinic after Equitana at Steve Halfpenny's in um, Adelaide, and then coming back to Victoria at York at the Mayfield um, Center. It's the uh, Equine College, or I'm sorry, the Australian College of Equine Podiatherapy run by Andrew and Nikki Bowe. That's where I'll be based for most of my time there. Okay, we'll good. Weekend clinic, weekend clinics, and a couple events courses in um, so I thought I'd plug. I thought I'd get the the advert in, you know, before we're done there. That was the advert. Yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking because you know we've got Steve and Andrew. It's great to have people that you're associating with are already guests on Horse Chats. You know, it's just nice to have that community too. Of people. Oh yeah, I was yeah. just going to ask if they've been on because if they haven't, they should. No, actually, Andrew was up here last weekend. He did a clinic up here. So, oh cool. Yeah, yeah. No, so um, it's great to have. A community of people that are all there really for the welfare of the horse. You know, looking at welfare of the horse. Yeah. I think that's important. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and it's amazing with the internet now how we can all connect. People it is. like minded it is, people can it? connect and yeah. and cooperate. And I think it was Mark Rashid who I have connected with here and I've been doing clinics with I think we call it cross pollinating. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Jim, good to talk to you. Really good. And as yeah, I said, it's nice. it's good to have that common communication common bond and we'd love to have you back on again so yeah i'd be happy to yeah thank you very much for your time today and hopefully we'll catch up soon okay well thank you thank you if you've enjoyed this chat then please comment rate and subscribe if you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests then please contact us through horsechats.com and while you're online have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.